squared by Silvio P. That's me and E. Marquez. And we do phenomenal ethics. What's up, y'all, and welcome back to PE Squared. You know how we do things. We do it phenomenally, and we do it with epics. So check this out. We have a good show today. It's a lot. There's a lot, and we're going to go all over the place. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go all, we're gonna go so much all over the place that we don't even know where to start. But the St. Louis um, issue with the white gentleman and his wife in front of their mansion, uh, crib, house, whatever, and how he came out with the AK-47 and defended his home and his wife with. The uh, little little pistol, and how he literally stopped the mob from coming into his domain, his area. He felt threatened. He felt like he was, you know, he was next. Basically, in St. Louis, they've been going down with some stuff, right? They've been getting some stuff down, but at the same time. They've had, they've had some things going down, right? So like, it's been a little bit, it's been a little, it's been a little rough over there. So this man, and I'm gonna play a clip that was conducted from uh, Chris Cuomo from CNN, and there's some interludes in here because the clip is from this play this group called uh, Data Wire. And before I bring in Silvio, I want to hear, I want you both, I want all of you guys listening and I want Silvio to hear it. And then you guys can make your own judgment. But let's go into the video and let's see. You think, I mean, let's, here we go. let's stipulate for the point of this oh, conversation Chris, that they I went through the private. Look, I let you make your points. Let, let the rejoinders happen and then you can go. Sure. Um, sure. You got counsel with you. You're safe. I promise. The idea that uh, they broke the law, I give it to you. They went through a private gate. I'm sure you have video of it or somebody can prove that. I stipulate they went through the gate. Um, but they're yelling. They're angry. They did not go up your steps. They didn't go to your house. They didn't touch you. They didn't try to enter your home. They didn't try to do anything uh, to your kids. But you say you were assaulted. You're using the civil definition of that, uh, which is that you had the apprehension that something bad was going to happen to you. But nothing did. But to call terrorism, when the people are there protesting how the community is treated by by the police is a little bit of reverse psychology at a minimum, is it not? No, you're absolutely you're absolutely wrong. The reason why they did not get up my steps was that my wife and I were there with with weapons to keep them off our steps. When How we do you know? confront because they were coming at us until they I displayed the weapon and that stopped them. I came out. So on do the you? Wing I'm sure a house like that. I'm sure a house like that has cameras. You, do you have video of them coming up the steps and uh, and being in your house? I'm not going to discuss the level of my private security on national television. Oh, that's, but, uh, that's but, not a topic. But do you have proof of them you, actually you, approaching your house? Yeah, probably he does, Chris Cuomo. But without further ado, 
Let's bring in my boy, the other half, the bigger half, the better half of PE Squared, Phenomenal Epics. Silvio, what's the deal, dude? What's the deal? What's going on? What's going on, man? There's a lot to unpack here. Uh, everything's good uh, good with me right now, thank God. How about you, man? How's life? Well, we're good. We're good. You know, um, this was an impromptu. We weren't scheduled to do any of this today, but hey, there's some things that just got flooded, got flooded on my neck. And I needed to get out right. of my shoulders. So this is one of them. What do you think? So you've seen the clip. <laughs> you've seen this guy literally defending his home. And I think what he did was he, I think he saved the rich in America. Because if this went viral where that mob went through his home, vandalized them, gone crazy, robbed them, you know, attacked them, did whatever... That would have been done all over the country, bro. Because you know what it went viral. You know what it, But this guy came out with an AK-47, and it shows that, well, you ain't going to go into anybody who's got these mansions and these complexes and live on private property. You ain't going in there because these people are coming out with Uzis. So if you ain't going in there with an <laughs> army... You know, now now the protesters and these uh, wrongdoers and at the time the rioters, you ain't going in there, man. You are not going in there now. And now these people have thought about that. And it, now more rich people are getting more guns. So and they're hiring militias. I wouldn't be surprised if down south in like Texas and Louisiana and Tennessee and Georgia and Florida, you know, they've gotten sir, their own group of militias just in case. Some of these people that protest and they, you know, they're trying to come at them. I mean, they're civil war breaking out real quick. But that's what I think these people did. In the grand scheme of things, they stood up. They stood up for the people who have things. They stood up for them because now they know they're getting them guns. I can't believe the St. Louis legislature or district attorney charged these people. I can't believe it. They did the right, and they're going to lose. St. Louis is going to wind up paying big time because this is a civil lawsuit. They're going to pay for the attorneys. They're going to do all those things, bro. And St. Louis is going to wind up paying big time for this because they charged them, bro. They charged them with a felony assault uh, or felony. It was a felony charge. I forget the whole thing, but it's in the clip. Go ahead, look up which uh, which one it is, and, and and let me know when you find it real quick. Because I, I'll start here with you. Uh, I saw the clip, and thanks for playing it. I hope those folks who can hear it uh, take the time to YouTube it or look it up. I mean, there there probably already uh, many people who've seen it. Uh, one of the reasons why I didn't care to to really go into it that much uh, because you know, and nitpicking your point real quick, he actually comes out. It looks like he's got a an old school M sixteen. Uh, and whether it was loaded or not, the the, the reason I'm going to start nitpicking it is there is a there there are laws, right? So to me, it's a degradation. Now, I'm not I'm not faulting him. Let me let me make that real clear. I'm going to say that like every two seconds. I'm not faulting the couple. I'm not faulting their idea of what was their right to do. Uh, just like I wouldn't fault the protesters. Uh, where I would fault the protesters as well as this couple, the McCloskeys is because they, they overstep their, their legal limit. The limit is you defend your home. And in most statutes across most states, uh, even you know the stand-your-ground states, uh, if they approach their home, it's different. 
this couple looks like, and I'm sure there's a bigger clip that explains more and there's more to be seen, but it looks like this couple is the aggressor. It looks like they're the ones stepping outside their boundaries. The laws in most states, and since we're in Illinois, let's let's put it, you know, let's cap it a little bit. Let's micro uh, vision this thing. Instead of looking at it from 30,000, let's look at it from 5,000. The idea that you can defend yourself and that you can defend your home and your property, beautiful. Never going to fault them, right? Let's, let's make that, I'm gonna, like I said, I'm going to say it every two seconds. I won't fault them for the theory. Where they make mistakes, and I'm not neither a lawyer nor trying to do the semantics on that, but let's be clear. It's not okay to be out on your front lawn pointing guns at people because you are scared for your life. If you're scared for your life, do what is rational. Get in behind your door, yell out of an open window, please go away, we have guns, and should they cross the threshold of your door, have at it. But the degradation of law is what scares me. So do you, do you find that clip yet? Did you find what you were looking for? The uh, what were they charged with? Now I'm looking for the charge. They're saying that they can be okay. charged with several uh, because they're on their steps and yes, it's sir. not in their property. But it's a private yes, property. And, and it starts at the at the gate no, that sir. was knocked down. The, no, sir. That's the thing. Your property line here. This is, is what it says. Well, you can. This Go is ahead. what this one says. It says here. Uh, Mm, the question for this blog is what can Garner use in such a case as criminal charge and some of our Missouri lawyers might have some insights to share. First, here's the videotape. Patricia McCloskey is shown most, most clearly in pointing a gun at pro uh, protesters. Mark McCloskey actually points a rifle as much as, as much as his wife, but also there are points where he turns his body with barrel pointing at protesters. Both are barefooted and can argue that they ran from their home to confront what viewed as an in immediate threat. Patricia McCloskey is shown going to the side of the house as she is likely to claim that she was trying to fend off intruders. However, the prosecutor can argue that the videotape did not show aggressive conduct, conduct or movement toward the house. The key may be any home security footage or other taped witness-based evidence to support the claim of the initial threats of threatening conduct. Here's another video, however. Patricia McCloskey is clearly pointing a gun at the protesters. Ironically, therefore, the clearly case, the clearer case may be against Patricia with the small handgun than her husband. Okay, no, that I think to me that's semantics. But here you go. Now, where, the, where the, are you reading this from? What, this what's the is, site? What's your source? The source is jonathantorley.org. So it's a right, so blog. A He's a, a blogger. Okay. He's a let, me, let me interrupt you real quick. So, so you find, uh, let's let's go a little more local. See if you can get like a St. Louis, uh, you know, ABC or you know. And here's uh, the. Or just keep looking. Here's the charge. Here's the criminal charge. Could be the most obvious criminal charge. Could be section five point seven point five seven one point zero three four zero three zero four, which allows for class E felony charge when a person exhibits in the presence of one or more persons. Any weapon readily capable of lethal use in any angry or threatened manner, such as conviction, can bring up to four years and or $10,000 in fines. It is unlawful to be outside of your one's home on your property with a lawful weapon, which may be the ultimate defense for Mark McCloskey if he is not shown pointing the weapon in intentionally at any individual. Indeed, we have seen the same type of weapon displayed in public in rallies like those against the lockdown orders and protests like the autonomous zone in Seattle. Obviously, existing footage shows 
Patricia pointing the weapon. However, a complicating factor is that Missouri is a state with a castle doctrine law, and these, ca and these guns were lawfully possessed. The law states in subscription 3, in subsection 3, that deadly force can be used unless such force is used against a person who unlawfully enters remains after unlawfully entering or attempts to unlawfully enter private property that is owned or leased by an individual. However, no lethal force was used here. It was threatened. That raises two questions. Is the law triggered by entry on a property as opposed to entry without the home? Also, does that law imp uh, implicitly supports the show of force to deter entry? There you go. Now go ahead. Thank you, sir. Uh, again, uh, you know, we're, we're, we don't need to, as in me and you, don't need to argue the semantics. Uh, we could we could hopefully invite back, we can get back into the, the weeds here, and we can invite lawyers from the local area. We might even be able to find people out from St. Louis. However, on an opinion-based podcast like this, let's, let's try to deal with some of the possibility of what makes sense here. Mm -hmm. The rational behavior of a human being to be upset that you have entered their private property, I've got every right to be upset. I've got every right to yell at you. I've got every right to break out a butcher knife, a gun, a bat, whatever I've got handy, and threaten you with physical violence. However, if you are protesting and you're walking past my house, and I realize that it's private property, again, I don't blame them. I don't think that they were completely in the wrong. Where I, where I would blame their logic is to point a weapon in the direction of people who are nowhere near their home. If they are walking across the street, even if they're yelling at me, I'm going to kill you, all I'm going to do is hold my weapon, and I'm going to say, okay, well, I'm here, and if these folks charge me, then I have very legal grounds to say I was defending myself. But as you can tell in this clip, and here's a problem that I brought up before, it's the degradation of law and order. You've got people who, a mansion or otherwise, it's their home, and it's private property, and it's a gated community. I don't fault them for being scared. I don't fault them for thinking I can stand up for myself. I don't fault them for thinking, well, I've got weapons with ammunition and I'm going to go outside and brandish them. They're, they're, again, that's not a big deal to me because, again, in this day and age, uh, for those of us who want to argue that, you know, Second Amendment and they're going to take away our guns and here they come and all these kind of antics, uh, the right to bear arms is solely yours. Have it. They could have taken those weapons. They could have had them over their shoulders. They could have had them pointed in the air. They could have had them pointed to the ground and saying to people, please stay away from our homes. They had no reason to go out anywhere near those crowds. They had no reason to look at, I mean, it's like sitting on your rocking chair and waiting for someone to step on your grass. If you're sitting on your rocking chair waiting for someone, a kid or anybody to step on your grass or somebody walk their dog across your lawn, you can yell, get off my lawn. But you do not need to point a loaded weapon in their direction just because you don't want them on your lawn. I don't disagree Private with property you. Or not. I don't disagree yeah, with you with in, one person. In. I don't disagree Come with you in. with one person, bro. If it's 50 people, nah, hell nah. If they break down the gate to the house, to the property, that's what they did. They curled the yeah. gate, the iron gate. They broke it down to get in. Yes, to a, to a private community. Uh, I believe that part of the community was theirs. So that private road is theirs. But again, that's semantics. But they got semantics, into his... Right. They got into his place. They're on his property. That's where yep. that co that castle doctrine comes in. That mm -hmm. that is different. If it was one, fine. You wait until he comes up the steps, shoot shoot his head off. But 
when there's 50, 60, 100, 105, no, no, no. Yes. You got to go it's out there. Mentality. You got to go out there. Exactly. You got to go out there and show that you're ready to protect yourself. Now, but what word did you just use? You just said show. Do you, yeah. Can you can you tell me why you have to brandish and point? I, I am I'm with I don't, you. I don't get I don't get the difference. Like okay, she the lady uh, Patricia, she's the one. So later on in the clip in the video, she goes over towards the side where's the lawn, and she's there pointing her gun. But she's like kind of pointing to like go ahead get out get off the property get off the property like that you know like get off the property, uh, not pointing to shoot now. He, she points the gun he, at, a, po- at, a, at a human level. She points it at, at what is, again, we're armchair quarterbacking here, and, and that's where we're getting into the weeds. No, I, I'm not disagreeing with her, her pointing the gun, but him right. coming out, and I think he knew that all he had to do was brand it because right. he doesn't, when he points it, he feels like they're coming onto his property. I believe that yeah, was yeah. later on in the clip, but we didn't see that part. Right. But... Pointing it, no, I mean, they're in good spot. There's people coming up to their stairs, and they're in a good spot. Remember, their, their entrance to their home is on the other side of, like, bushes. So they come over to this side on their kind of, like, I guess the side area of their house or whatever. I'm glad you said that way because were, were you there? Was I there? No. We're we from, didn't. We from, weren't there. From where we're looking at in the video. We're only going after right. the video. Exactly. But like, and so just to make it clear, we, yeah. we are not... We're only uh, seeing. We weren't there. We're only seeing the video. Exactly, Sick. based on opinion, and, and we're we're talking a bigger theme here. But right now, we're in the weeds. Go but on. again, but again, we're doing the same thing. You and I are doing the same thing that Chris Cuomo did. We're watching mm. it on video, and this guy's got the gall to ask, "Do you got it on your surveillance tapes? Do you got proof that they attacked you?" Oh man, he would bring that proof up if he needs it in court. Sure. But that's not the, that's not, there's no, necess, that's unnecessary. Chris Cuomo trying to flip it around, trying to make it, oh, well, you got, you got carried away. Chris Cuomo did the same thing. Matter of fact, <laughs> matter of fact, this idiot did the same thing when he's over here with COVID-19 and his isolation for the public thing. And he's over here going to look at his property and just a biker driving a bike goes, aren't you Chris Cuomo? Yeah. Or don't you got COVID? Shouldn't you be quarantined? And he's like, you don't know my life. You don't. He comes up to the biker and talks shit to the biker. Same thing. Not even, bro. Not even on his own property, dude. It's in the street. <laughs> so Chris Cuomo's got so, the gall and the man. He's got. This is what I'm talking about. Accountability, bro. Like, I'm come not, on. I, I look. My my beef isn't with Cuomo and CNN as much as yours is. I like the question. I like the the idea of what you're bringing up. Uh, and what I would talk about, and, and I'll keep talking about, is they, I don't fault their logic. I do not, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, want to say, uh, if I, if it were me and an armchair quarterback, that's not the point. What, what I'm talking about is the degradation of law. Where have we come to in this day and age where you feel, and again, looking at the clip, they are living in a, in a very nice area with a very big home. Yeah, very but big. What, yeah. What, I mean that's not a that's not a big home. That's a very big home from just a clip of it. So <laughs> you know when he said a, that remember, shit, when they said a private road, bro, I was like, oh hell no. 
You remember our conversation? This is they got DECA problems, okay? They got some problems. Uh, but good for them. Oh, man, I, dude. I, I, you know, whether they're in the whether the protesters are cutting through their backyard, through their gangway, through the driveway, through the fence, wherever they're living, however big they're living, I, I won't fault them. Again, if they worked hard at it, or if they got you know white collar, blue collar crime to get there, it's not my beef. Where my beef goes is you don't need to point a gun at anybody who is not on your threshold. That's just the bottom line. It doesn't matter if you're in what state. That's just the law across the land. You can brandish a gun all you want. You can carry. Many states have open carry. Many, uh, the state we live in has concealed carry. You could look at someone who is threatening your life, even in a mob setting, and take the weapon out and point it at the ground as you're walking around in circles telling people to get the fuck back or whatever language you would use uh, because you're scared for your life. That makes perfect sense. That is perfectly legal. Where it became illegal is when they became the aggressors, pointing the gun, saying, yeah. get off my property. Yeah. So whether, again, whether they win or lose, whether they – hold on, let me finish this point, though. Whether they win or lose the battle in court, the idea of where we've come to – because you said something else that was important, by the way. But the idea of where we come to in this day and age where people feel like there's a need to not only go out and buy weapons, but that the police won't get there and that they have to fend oh, yeah. for themselves. Oh, I mean, yeah. look – the community they look like they were living in is no different than a Rosemont gated community that's not too far from where I live. That is a gated community, has a security guard at the door, and there's a gate that opens and closes. If they're, if that's the type of private community they live in, then, again, they have enough resources to rent or pay for security, even mm-hmm. armed security that can drive around like a lot mm-hmm. of communities out here in Illinois do that are affluent and have those type, those types of resources. Mm-hmm. But for you to, to tell me in any way, shape or form that, and again, I'm not going to fault them. If they were within the confines of their home, yelling from their windows and pointing guns even from their windows, I'd have said, hey, more power to them. I wish they had both had M16s. But when you have two people walking back and forth, pointing their guns at people, saying, if you get anywhere near us, we're going to take you out. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's a mob of 100 or if it's a mob of one. They were upset. They feared for their lives. And whether they, they would come out and say it, I, I'm going to be I'm gonna be the first one to come out and tell you. If I see a group of people who I am in, intimidated by, and then to top it all off, lately I've been listening to the news and Black Lives Matter and racism is chalked in there and all of a sudden this and all of a sudden that. And then you use my other favorite phrase. And that's obviously sarcasm, but my favorite phrase, civil war. And we don't need that kind of shit out there. The reality is people just need to chill out for a minute and understand that you can be as scared as you want and stay in your home, use your logic, defend your property. But to be outside pointing a gun, I'm going to say it this way, too. I'm as brown as it gets. My name is Javier. If I go outside where I live and I am defending my home of a mob, the police aren't going to look at me like, well, it's because it's Javier. They're going to look at me because I'm brandishing a gun at people. The stereotype, though, wouldn't be played the same way. I wouldn't be the McCloskey hero. I'd be the guy, well, you know, this crazy Mexican starts pointing a gun mm-hmm. at, at rioters and looters and we're, you know, and the narrative is different. Sure. Whether that's Fox, CNN, sure. Alex Jones, you know, your buddy Rush, whoever's talking about it, they're, they're amping it up. And you and I have had some really good, I think, phenomenal conversations about how race is playing into this, 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 this you know, this day and age. And if you look at some of that video 
carefully, some of the protesters walking by, white. I mean, they don't look like they're wearing suit and ties, right? But they they're white like too. Riders. Well, yeah, yeah, but I'm saying they don't look like you're, you know, they, they didn't look like Jehovah's Witnesses walking through no. the Mormons with their Bibles and books. Uh, they, they didn't look like peaceful protesters with picketing signs saying, where's the mayor's house? They look like people who were pissed. And of course, you're going to be scared. But again, the point is, you don't need to point your gun at them. You yeah. just don't. And again, I'm not going to I'm not going to question their logic. I'm not going to say they were terrible people and it's because they're white and the people are black. That's just getting into the weeds there. If it was a factor. I'm just saying with all the sensationalism that's going on right now in the news and people having such such vitriol against Black Lives Matter, against the fundamental. Oh yeah, police, the politicizing, the political the political I mean, portion of it. I mean right? it's ridiculous. I, mean, no, I agree. I feel you. And I think that's where they were going. I mean, it's just just listening to this guy on in that interview, uh, he has a lawyer next to him? Well I mean, he, why he not needs just keep look. your mouth shut? Let the lawyer why why doesn't he just put a statement out with the lawyer? Well, well here you go. He wants here to get on the news. That's a great question. Because now he's the he's the aggressor. Now he's the one. His life has changed, bro. Because these and protesters, so. these protesters, no, not rightfully so. Because it, it had nothing to do with it. These protesters came to him, and he they had to step didn't. up. If he doesn't do That's nothing, he's liable. He's liable to be killed by those protesters. He's. I mean, on the, the same. Case. I'm the same token, dude. The 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 retired police superintendent or sergeant that got killed right there in those riots on the same day, dude. We don't know what would have happened. We just don't. But this this guy minding his own business. Now his wife looks like a whack job. Just my opinion. But is but <laughs> we, we're, he's she minding his own business. Bro, right. he, she looks upset. He she looks, looks upset. upset. They he's, for their but they're minding. He's minding his own business, living in St. Louis, in place where he's like, all right, well, this is unfortunate. Whatever his political study, with his, his political ways, I don't know. Whatever the case, this guy has got nothing to do with anything going on. No. He's got nothing to do with the riots. He didn't kill anybody. He's not a police officer. He's none of that. And these protesters come on his property. And now all of a sudden he's either public enemy number one or a defender of the free world, bro. And he didn't well. ask for that. And that's <laughs> ahead, why he's got a lawyer. And that's why he's got a lawyer. And tell me which one of those two labels you abide by. Tell me which one of those two labels you just threw out. Which one's yours? I don't know. I don't got one of those. Like I'm a like well, I told you before, I'm a I'm a say, I'm a guy. I'm gonna say he's public enemy. And he's, I'm going I'm to go with the side of he's public enemy. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking he is more public enemy. But I'm, I'm thinking in the way that what my, my thing is, he he's didn't ask for that. America. You know what I mean? <laughs> he didn't ask for that. I get it. Look, look, again, we, 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 you know, as fired up as we can get. And I hope anybody who wants to listen chimes in and gets just as fired up. I do not blame you or anybody else for being scared and whatever drives you to be scared to reach for a weapon or to reach for whatever me means you have that makes you feel safe against the mob. There is no law in, on, in any state that I'm aware of, federal or state-wise, that says you cannot defend yourself. Thank God and the Second Amendment and all these other beautiful things that we have in this country. The problem with what I am trying to say 
in terms of not, and, and again, let's let's do this real quick. Let's unpack the McCloskey name and say thank you very much for this video clip. We're going to take you out of the equation. I'm going to talk, you know, period to that part of it. Let's move into what I'm talking about. It's about law. It's about law and order. When you have some type of fear. Hold on. Hold that thought. Mind, hold that thought. Let's, let's take a break and then we'll bring it back in the next segment. Hold the law and order thought because we want people to hear this. We don't want them to like fast forward over this. We're already over the time here. So we're going to come right back with that one. And it's going to be two seconds. All right. Now, uh, you listening out there, phenoms, talk among, talk among yourselves. All right, you heard the bell or the bling. That means we're back. Go ahead, Silvio. You had the uh, thought about the law. Right on. So we, uh, we're going to unpack the other part of the argument here, which is where is the law and order? Where does it exist? Uh, in this day and age, right now, we're living in, in some scary times. It's, it's been lived through by other generations, but now our generation, or at least a lot of us, are faced with something we've never seen before. And that's rioting and, and mob action and the fear that these folks, uh, that any anybody in the United States, whether they're living on a uh, private, you know, uh, secluded area or in terms of a uh, private residence that, that is a big residence that has may, maybe an acre, many, many acres, whatever it is, and someone trespasses onto your property, that's the issue. And if you are on a property that says no trespasser or signage outside that says uh, trespassers could be shot or we call the police or neighborhood watch, all these types of things. The, the bottom line though is you really don't need to be pointing your gun at people if they didn't break the threshold of your house. Now, the semantics of we didn't, I wasn't around for any of these things that have, that have been seen whether it's uh, you know video clips of people defending their property or, or otherwise, what I'm arguing is where where are we in society that we feel like we should have guns? You got a lot of background noise. What you got going on over there? Is that water or what you got? You can hear me. Yeah, you got you got. Sounded like the sounded like the ocean was clicking off in the back there. It's like you you're turning pages. You got a magazine going while I'm while I'm yeah yeah I was turning pages, but my volume is low. I didn't figure you could hear me. <laughs> all right, all right, uh, man. Anyway, now, now that I know that, I can't fart now. Damn. Right. But uh, <laughs> but see, and that and that's where I'm. That's where I'll I'll leave it at that. Where where you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you and you have an issue with what we're saying, uh, or what I'm saying, uh, it's not that I'm trying to chastise people as as public enemy number one and uh and and victim shame or or those kinds of things. They were a victim of a tragedy. Uh, we started talking about the McCloskeys that way. We were also talking about rioters and looters and their rights. And the, and the right as a human being to your First Amendment doesn't give you the right to traipse through people's lawns and, and people's houses and cause havoc. Uh, that's definitely not what I'm advocating either. And so, you know, let's let's keep it real. Don't don't go. Don't don't try to hit me up with extremes of saying, well, what if they was your house and they were trying to kill? That's not what was what was happening in the video clip. We see we see two people taking up arms, pointing it at, at protesters, yelling at them. And clearly you can see some protesters saying, let's just move on. It's because they had no beef there. There was no eminent threat to that family until they came out with guns brandishing, saying, get off our property. You know, had they just kind of stayed inside their house, called the police, waited for, you know, these any one of these protesters to get near their house, 
they could have taken those steps. They could have taken those measures. And by the way, as a uh, as a person who who knows enough about state codes and federal codes, they could have fired warning shots. You can, you know, I'm not saying let's wait until they fire bomb your house, but that wasn't part of what what the rioters were doing there. They were actually on the hunt for the mayor, and they were trying to, you know, uh, it's terrible to say it that way, but uh, they were hunting down the mayor's house to protest at, at her house, the, the mayor for St. Louis. So if we, you know, coming back to where we are, uh, e in, in Illinois, you know, we get we get beat up on the news all the time, and oh, rightfully yeah. so. Chicago does, There's not some, Illinois, Chicago. Right? There's some, ter- well, uh, <laughs> Illinois as a whole, because we've got we've got a track record uh, of, of dirty politics and all sorts of other issues. Uh, but you know, in terms of death rate, in terms of per capita, you know, we're not doing that. And I don't mean to normalize it. We, we don't do that bad, but where I'm going with that point is gun violence. And, you know, do we really need to, and that's where I was going before, uh, the paper started ruffling in the background. Do we really need more guns in this country? Do we really need more people to feel so scared that they're going to go out and get concealed carry permits or open carry permits and, and buy as much ammunition and the latest weapons that are, that are, uh, you know, realistically might be the new normal, might be the normal, might be the new normal, bro. Now that they're defunding the police, they're defunding Uh, the police. You're going to go go down this road. How are they going to defund the police? I have no idea. Hit me up with this one. I have no idea because I think that's (laughs) stupidity, but they want to go after defunding the police. They want to go after. What does um, that mean though? What does that mean? Don't, don't skip it. Don't skip it. What does defunding the police mean? Uh, in my in my opinion, I don't even know. They they haven't even been clear on what defunding the police is. So yes, they have. No, I yes, mean it's it's so vague. It's so vague. No, they want no, they want the police to get. Ultimately, they want the police to have their military equipment taken away. That that's part of it. Yeah. What uh, that's what, ultimately what, what it defunding, is. Well, that that's not the only thing. Uh, and again, it might vary state to state. But leaving it on a Chicago micro area. Uh, in the Chicago proper, maybe in the immediate area of Chicago, what defunding the police means, and it was a terrible punchline. They should have used something else, but oh well, nobody called me and said, hey, Javier, what do you think about this? No, but bro, this is, uh, it's clickbait, bro. It's coronavirus. Clickbait right. is fear-mongering. But, well, if, that, if that's the truth, then dig into what defunding the police means. Defunding the police just simply meant, look, we are paying police to do X, Y, and Z, and they're not accomplishing that. And yet we keep paying them. We keep funding other programs. We keep funding the anti-war, the dr- war on drugs, the anti-drug, the, the anti-gang member, the, the this, the that, and we're funding all that. What people are screaming about is defund those programs. Defund instead of continuing to. Uh, And I'm not a big proponent of the idea that you're militarizing police. It just happens to be that I'm also prior law enforcement. So I understand that some of the equipment that police need uh, actually makes sense. Yeah, I don't think Uh, it's it's a big deal. I think they need that military stuff. It's the extreme some departments are going to that that is a bit of a problem. We need SWAT. We need heavy equipment. We need our police to be ready for uh, what's out there and what they confront. When you are uh, a quick tangent, a side note I'll go off on here is... Uh, as, as much as you might want to beat me up, and I don't mean you, but anybody listening want to beat me up with not being pro-law enforcement. I love law enforcement. Uh, my biggest problem is that when you send a law enforcement official out into this world to defend things with with a 9 millimeter styled weapon against people who are carrying Uzis or automatics or 45 caliber weapons, you're setting up your law enforcement for failure. So I get it. it it's a need for law enforcement to keep up. And for those of you, my brothers in blue, brothers and sisters in blue, 
God bless you. Stay safe and, you know, watch your six. But the idea is when you defund the police, it, it should have been restated differently. It should have been let's divert some of that money. And it's I mean, it's semantics. The real word is defund. But let's divert that money into other programs. And for those people who want to make fun of saying, well, we'll see what happens when you send social workers in to deal with crazy people. Uh, maybe that's that should open your eyes to understanding you shouldn't be sending law enforcement alone to deal with people with mental health. You, you should have people on call where you'd say, look, this person is not a, a law enforcement issue. This person is uh, someone who's experiencing some mental health issues. We've subdued the individual. They are sitting here in handcuffs waiting for us to figure out if we should hospitalize them or if they need to seek treatment because they are now back under control, they're medicated and we can deal with them. If they're not causing a public nuisance and they're not they're not threatening anyone's life, they are not a harm to themselves or others, there is no reason you need to send strictly police all the time to deal with someone who's having a mental breakdown. That's just, again, we're talking opinions here, but that's what defunding the police means. Defunding the police means don't send the SWAT team to deal with, with, with Javier when he loses his mind. Uh, because he couldn't pay his cell phone bill or because he's about to get evicted, That's, you know, or because, you know, I bet too much money on my, I bet too much money on the Cubs and they lost to the Sox, you know. Yeah, here you go. Uh, so here, here is the funding law enforcement means from CNN. Now look, oh, man, CNN, CNN. look, it, I don't, I don't mind the reporting that goes on in CNN. What I mind is the, the exacerbation The fear-mongering, the, the other fear stuff, not the reporting. Yeah. There's some good reporting and journalism going on at CNN, but it's mostly, the other stuff is mostly crap. Opinions is what it is, but here it is. Okay, but then that's fair Here's to the, say about the uh, other three letters no, no, that are out there. No, but we're not even talking I about mean, the other, CNN we're only talking about CNN. CNN. We'll talk about yeah. the other three letters when we talk about them, when they come oh, up with some crap. Well, CNN's got this idea. I use Vice. I use Axiom. Those are the, those are the reporters and the journalists that I read because they're, they're, they, they don't have, they're asking tough questions. But here's CNN, and I give props where props is due, but I just pulled this up. Defending, defunding law enforcement means that we are reducing the ability for law enforcement to have resources that harm our communities. This is what Patrice Coolers, co-founder of Black Lives Matter movement, this is what she said. In an interview with WBUR Boston Public Radio Station, it's about reinvesting those dollars into black communities, communities that have been deeply divested from. Those dollars can be put back into social service for mental health, domestic violence, and homelessness, among, uh, among others. Police are often the first responders to all three, she said. Those dollars can be used to fund schools, hospitals, housing, and food in those communities. All of those things we know increase safety, McHarris said. Well, look at those programs are going on. Those programs are going on. Now, the one big one that's going on here in Chicago, in Chicago police is they're taking that $1 billion contract that is with the Chicago public schools and now no police presence in the Chicago public schools. Now they took that and took it away. But the Chicago public schools have a problem with attendance and their funding from the state, from the government, from federal, has everything to do with attendance. 
So that's why you have high schools like Curry, like high schools like Manly, closing down because there's nobody going to these schools. But let's 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 unwrap another layer here. And so it's phenomenal, phenomenal, by the way. And I'm interrupting your flow for this. We let's get to the core. Let's get to the core a little quicker. Why is this happening in neighborhoods? Why has it been happening in Pilsen and little 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 village? Why has it been happening in underserved communities? You have a gang influence there, right? In Chicago, unlike any other place, they had uh, safe passage, right? I think that's what y'all call it. I, I live in the burbs, so I can't yeah. keep track of it. But there was yeah. a safe passage. And for those of you who don't live in Chicago, the idea is that what they were trying to do is to get a volunteer system based on people from the, ne- the neighborhood to stand in places where children would walk to and from school. Because what's happening to and from school is you're in, in many cases walking through different gang neighborhoods, different mm-hmm. sects. And so for those of you who are used to the gang life, you realize that from block to block, at least in Chicago, uh, that that's a big that's a big deal. That, I mean, you're sometimes just just crossing one side of the street to the other and all of a sudden you're in a different gang uh, neighborhood well territory whatever stupid terminology is used for that but the reality is that's the day and age we live in here in chicago in some parts of chicago and when that's true what we've done is dehumanize the issue we've taken money and said well let's throw more police out there more police aren't going you know the police aren't there every second of the day every step of the way As I used to love to say when I was in law enforcement, we're never there when you need us, but we're there when you want us. And the problem with that means is that when I'm driving by in a squad car or there's police presence, criminal activity isn't happening. They go the other way. They're smart enough to get out of the way. And by they, I mean criminals. And the criminal mentality is if they see police, they're not they're they're going to wait. Police drive away and all starts the fun. Police can only respond as quickly as they can. Now, the other problem has been why I believe we should we should reinvest in those communities. We have to. These people are living in a war zone, and we haven't given them resources uh, as a whole. We don't do that because all of a sudden we just say, "Well, that neighborhood's lost. We can't we can't win it back. It's infested with gang members, and we can't do anything about it." The reality is, and here's here's where I love what you brought up in one of your podcasts. It's capitalism. What's selling? Are people going to argue against selling more ammunition and more weapons? No, because that's making money for people who are in that upper echelon. Why aren't people more interested in opening and or reopening in in the Chicagoland area? Mental health, community centers. Uh, Why aren't we doing more of a police presence in those? Why don't we state fund a community center and put police presence there and have people feel like they have someplace safe in their community to go look up the Internet? Because some of these people don't have Internet. In this day and age, and you're going to argue with me, well, they don't have jobs. Some of these folks can't find the resources to get a job, even if they wanted a job. And so yeah. now you force that community to defend itself by saying, well. And their jobs if, are low paying jobs. You know, they're yes. not, their jobs but if are. I'm a youngster, if, right. But if I'm a youngster or even if I'm my age and I don't have a job, I might have to turn to Johnny Tutos who's telling me, hey, come over here, sell some dime bags for me or hold down this corner. I'm going to be like, well, maybe I should. And guess what? When he tells me, well, I'll pay you $1,000 a day, I'm going to be like, what? How much? So I'm going to go and put my life on the line thinking, well, if I can make some money and, and serve my family. Johnny Tutos. Just, <laughs> just, like, just like the McCloskeys. And just like them, you're willing to stand up and say that they were you know, defenders of the universe uh, instead of public enemy number one. Public and- enemy number one is just the devastation that we have in our lives 
when we are in fear of what we cannot control. And I can tell you what, if you send a mob of 50 people, a mob of five people to my house right now, I'm going to lock the doors and I'm going to go grab some way to defend myself. But one of the first things I'm going to pick up is the phone and I'm going to dial 911 and I'm going to yell into that bitch, get your ass over here now because I'm under attack. Now, if between the time I call and the time they get there, something else happens and I defend myself, hopefully we live through it. But that's the problem is that we don't have faith anymore in our regular societal construct and the social agreement that we all made to say, okay, law enforcement is here. That's the root of the issue for me. Again, my opinion is that people are scared of police because they have violated the oath of trust, the ethics that we look when you wear a gun and badge and I had one, that's not what made me powerful. The gun and the badge weren't, wasn't the deal. It was the oath I swore to serve and protect my community. And that doesn't, that's not always easy because some of these people are repeat offenders. Some of these folks that you encounter, you're encountering them at their worst moment in life. And when you all of a sudden get inundated that emotionally speaking, by the way, it's not that easy anymore. You start to dehumanize because otherwise you're going to break down with them. When you see a child who's two years old, who's malnourished and you look inside their home and it's covered in feces and the dogs are running and the cats and the rats and the, and the house is a mess. You turn and you look at these parents and you go, what the fuck are you doing? You do need someone who's a social worker to come in and take care of what's going on. Not just arrest people. Arresting people and taking them into jail is only half the equation. You know, for, you know, for being uh, terrible parents, I mean, well, how long are they going to stay in jail? A day? I, I mean, that's technically a, a citation. You know, so you cite these folks, you say, I hope things work out. And then you leave those poor children in that. And even if they don't have kids, but you leave people in that type of squalor. Uh, and it's just devastating, man. I could go on and on. Check this for, out. For, but check this out. Now you're bringing in the you're bringing in a future segment of ours, a future topic, mm. epic. And that is capitalism. Can you have capitalism? With shows with socialism, and that's what's going on because now you're gonna need the power of the society, of the of the culture, of the city, of the unit. They're gonna have to band together and help those areas because that stuff isn't free. Taxes go up. Um, property taxes go up. Uh, they want to encourage people to move in to those areas for cheap property tax, but they got to pay a city tax. So they're going to cheapen their property tax, but still pay the amount that they need to pay for those social programs. So yes. where, where do you get the relief? If you're somebody that, like we said in a past podcast, trade school or junior college, if you go off and you're 16 years old and you were confronted when you were 10, 11, 12 to get into that gang life, but you found a way to become a, an apprentice, a plumbing, a welder, uh, uh, engineer, apprentice, and then you're making your money and you're getting out of that area and you're getting out of that stuff and you're doing your, you're prospering your life. Your life is bettering and you're getting used to that and you're living your life. Now you're going to hike up. And you got to pay a fee or you got to pay more taxes so these social programs could go around. And then. Yes, sir. And then you got local municipal governments 
that want Fortune 500 companies to open up shops. No Macy's are going to be opening up in the south or the west side of Chicago. No no uh, H&M. No, none of these stores are going to be opening up. None of these stuff is going to be opening up. There ain't going to be no big warehouses opening up if they don't got a form of security. You know, but now circle back. Circle back real quick. Before we go off on that tangent, we'll leave that one for another day. But so circle back. Defunding the police really should have been titled or retitled. Somebody should have thought about it as let's let's talk about reinvesting. Exactly. Now, granted, in Chicago, Chicago, that's a microvision problem. I, 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 you know, I suppose when when other people hear it, uh, but it's going around the nation, right? And yeah. the reason why, again, is the degradation of law. We've lost faith in law enforcement. Not yep. not all of us. And some of us who were in law enforcement understand that not we don't have <laughs> we don't have as many bad apples as unfortunately shown. Uh, but but let me let me give you a lifelong lesson that stuck with me uh, from the first day I swore an oath to this country. When I raised my right hand and I, I became an Air Force policeman in security forces, one of the biggest lessons that we were that was drummed in our heads: you all wear a specific uniform that stands out like a thumb. And believe it or not. It stood out all the time because we were the only people walking around an installation with a fully loaded weapon, and we stood out because we had police gear on. Our reputation, when one person fucked up, we all were chastised. Not, It wasn't fair, it wasn't right, but it was the only thing that mattered because if you look at police, that's what's happening. You have one person who loses it, does a terrible job, kills someone, or abuses their power, and now the rest of us all look the same. That's what's happened in these communities that are solely impacted and have been for systematic and and institutional issues for decades. We're not talking, but in many cases, centuries. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about, uh, at least I'm not talking about, oh, let's excuse the rioting. Let's excuse the looting. Let's excuse the bad behavior. Let's look the other way when, you know, and, and for those of you out there who, who love those videos of where's the outrage when the three-year-old is killed? The outrage is there every day. You don't live in that community. You don't understand those people and how much they're crying out for help. Mm-hmm. So if you reinvest that money and you say, okay, we need to help that community out, why is it that we have such a struggle thinking about how to help out others? We start talking about, oh, well, my tax dollars aren't here to, to help people who are lazy. Not In many cases, a lot of these people aren't lazy. They just don't have any other option. And in many cases, if you were put in a situation of fight or flight for survival, and self-preservation, I wouldn't be surprised if you and I, E, uh, and those who listen would look at it, and some people listening, by the way, uh, have been about that life. They know the struggle, and they realize that there was a way out, and they were able to get out. And some people listening probably are still in that life and struggling to, to, to live through it. But that's what I mean. Reinvesting that money might give someone hope. Now, yeah, no, again, the other, adage, the other adage is you can't save us all. I got that. You can't make us all happy. I got that. But why aren't we trying? You, you said something phenomenal from the get-go of our podcast, that your point and your goal in this podcast was to spread hope, was to spread joy.
and that won't work. And it's a proven fact here in the Chicagoland area. So that's my point. We'd like to reinvest it. Yes, let's let's reinvest. I mean, it's known as defunding, but what the reality is for those people paying enough attention is that it's not about anti-police issue. It's about saying police and and policing your community in a in a uh, in a fashion where it's about police, not necessarily serving the community. And, you know, citations and arrests. That's not going to solve it. That's just been an ongoing. Uh, what you know turnstile that's that's happened here in chicago forever you arrest somebody uh two hours or less some some of these people are back out on the street so that's not working let's find programs that work yeah yeah yeah. and it's not an easy answer i'm not saying that i no again no one's calling me up and saying hey when you gonna come work for us (laughs) no but i agree with you reinvest and i always thought that that should have been doing it anyway reinvest reinvest but again um it just sounds like it's getting things done or it's going against the police when you say defund. Right. When you it's say defund... It has an anti-police. Yep. Yeah, that's, that's, where, that's where the disconnect is. Because it is reinvest. But you also called it from the get-go. You called it right from the get-go. Clickbait. That's just a catchy phrase that's supposed to catch your eyes and all of a sudden make you want to be what? What are we always talking about? Getting informed. Inform yourself about what that means understand that it's not anti-police and for those of you who want to you know who are police and want to argue with me day and night about how it is against the police it's not about being anti-police for those people who are involved in the police uh again much respect to you uh, my brothers and sisters in blue uh, ultimate respect for first responders it's not an easy job there's a reason why i no longer do it uh i started to lose my own cool with it and i started to realize that that just i just wasn't there to make a difference anymore i started to dehumanize everybody i encountered uh, and they were no longer uh, somebody who I thought I needed to, to, to help or protect. I, I started looking at, at them, uh, as my boy Sylvester used to say, you know, they were the problem. They were the, you know, was it they were the virus and I was the cure? Uh, that's how I looked at them. I started looking at people in, a, in, a, in such a, uh, just a demoralizing way that it was, oh, okay, here we go. Get another person who's going to run their mouth at me. And then, you know, we're going to have to get into a pushing and shoving and sometimes literally... Uh, and then we're back and forth. You really shouldn't be debating police, especially if the, you know the police are talking to you like a civilized human being, saying, "Hey, you're, you're doing something that's against the law." Probably shouldn't jaw jack back and say, you know, whatever colorful language you want to insert. But uh, you know, it, it's it's a big problem. It's a big picture problem. You know, raise your kids right, be a good human being, be a, a help to society. Uh, but it's, it's easier said than done. And I'm sure, and I'm sure we're gonna wind up bringing this topic back because you know police unions are they a positive they're a positive for those that are police but they seem to be the reason why these bad police keep on getting their jobs back so we'll give it we'll get in deep with them pretty soon because there's some sticky and there's some interesting stuff going down uh, with them and again Policemen feel like they have, they're almost bulletproof, Teflon, when it comes to these things because of the police union. And that's what it all comes down to. And like you said, that's the, they're the virus and you're the cure. Oh, the police union believe that 100%. Hey, and remember this too, uh, for the, for the, for the podcast, uh, 
uh, faithful that we have. And I hope a lot of you are law enforcement or, or some of you, if you're interested, reach out, let us know. Let's get you interviewed here. Let's, let's get you, let's get your, you know, frontline first responder point of view. Uh, this isn't about demonizing you. This isn't about saying how easy your job is and how you screw it up every day. This is about letting people know how tough the job is. You know, not everybody wants to be a police officer, and there's a reason for that. Not everybody can do that job, and it and it takes a a, a good-hearted, loving individual to be able to not only be able to subdue that anger and their the emotional, uh, you know, roller coaster that you go on as a police officer. But to, to not build that callus. And after a while, that callus is terrible. And that's where you do have police officers who run off because they are involved in the neighborhood that is, uh, by some accounts, just difficult. In, in, in the Chicagoland area, we do have some communities that are our basic war zone. And that war zone is controlled by drugs, capitalism, and cartels. Uh, you know, and, and, and in Chicago, uh, things have broken down to such a sect that you have basically sometimes two, three blocks. Every two or three blocks is controlled by a different little gang. And they're fighting with each other over territory, which is driven by what? Money. Money. That's that beautiful capitalism that we'll talk about. All right. So there you go. Uh, we're going to go ahead and end this part right now. And we'll see what happens. You'll hear a little. We're doing some experimenting. You'll probably hear some background music. You probably won't. You'll hear some new transitional music. But all in all, the content is there. The information is there. I'm telling you, this is coming off just the top of our heads. There's no kind of, you know, prepping or no kind of researching going through it. Like, we should do this, we should do that. No, we're just coming up with it and snapping it off. So this is P Squared, Phenomenal Epics. And again, we're on Apple Podcasts now. So check us out. Share us, um, uh, you know, uh, download and listen and subscribe and uh, check you guys out